Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, January 5th, the first episode of 2024 edition on Iowa politics. On the podcast this week, Steve King makes his return to Iowa politics with a presidential endorsement, a sprint to the caucus finish, and a look at the upcoming legislative session. Hello, everyone. I am 60% of the voice of Aaron Murphy, Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette, Cedar Rapids. With me this week are Gazette Deputy Bureau Chief Tom Barton, who's full-throated. Hello, Tom. Hello, Aaron. We have Lead Des Moines Bureau Chief Caleb McCullough here. Hello, Caleb. Good afternoon, Aaron. Sarah Watson of the Quad City Times is with us. Greetings, Sarah. Hello, Aaron. And Gazette columnist Todd Dorman is here as well. Hello, Todd. Hey, good um, to be I'll, here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even if just barely, right? Uh, right. With these, <laughs> check in on your local uh, Iowa politics and government reporter, if you would, podcast listeners, over the next few weeks. It's, it's going to be uh, something. Um, I, I did want to just start the podcast really quick this week. So we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. And uh, earlier today, the unfortunate news about the shooting at uh, Perry High School, Perry, Iowa. And uh, information is still coming in as we sit here. We, we were literally um, tracking the second um, update from law enforcement right before we hit record here. So um, just passing along our, our thoughts and, and uh, sadness as, as we all uh, continue to learn more about um, the tragedy there. Um, all right. Uh, first up. This week on the politics scene, it's probably the last new endorsement that we'll talk about before the Iowa caucuses. Um, Do you hear me, Iowa Republicans? Please, the last new endorsement. Um, But but it's certainly an interesting one. Uh, Former Western Iowa Congressman Steve King endorsed Vivek Ramaswamy. And I will say, even before we get into the discussion here, no, I am not going to ask this time whether King's endorsement will move the needle in the primary. Obviously, it will not. But it was certainly an interesting endorsement, so we want to talk about it just a little bit. And, and Sarah, you covered uh, the first Ramaswamy campaign event where King's endorsement was uh, announced. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, he was at a pavilion in uh, Bettendorf, a, like an event center, and um, they played a video of Steve King uh, endorsing Ramaswamy um, ahead of the event. So um uh, Mr. King did not appear in person, but they did have a video um, in which he said, Ramaswamy is the strongest voice we have to defend our constitution and to reestablish America's destiny. And that's a quote. Um, and so he also talked about, he he said in the video that he supported Ramaswamy's position on the U.S.-Mexico border, um, saying that Ramaswamy will, uh, quote, build the wall for real, or excuse me, build the wall on the border for real, unquote. Um and so, and then another post, he said he agrees with Ramaswamy's positions on CO2 pipelines and eminent domain um, and supports Ramaswamy's pledge to pardon January 6thers. Um, and so he, uh, I know Steve King is, uh, has appeared with Ramaswamy in other events um, uh, regarding eminent domain and uh, CO2 pipelines. And so um, that seemed to be a, a, a how, where they coalesce or how they, how they got together. Um, and so, uh, Ramaswamy for his part, he, he didn't mention Steve King's endorsement during the event, but, um, afterwards was asked about it, uh, by reporters. Um, he said he was proud of the endorsement from Steve King and said that King has been wrongfully villainized by the media. Um, and he questioned whether some quotes attributed to King were true or in context, um, 
probably the most prominent quote from King is when the New York Times uh, uh, quoted him saying, white nationalists, white supremacists, Western civilization, how did that language become offensive? Why did I sit in classes teaching me about the merits of our history and our civilization? Um, King has said that that is a misquote um, and that is con comments were taken out of context and Ramaswamy repeated that, uh, that his story reiterated that um, to reporters on um, uh, Tuesday. All the days are running together. <laughs> um, and I so the interesting, yeah, um, the interesting thing for me, too, is that uh, King was has been a pretty staunch supporter of Trump um, up until this cycle. Um, and so and the and so the other interesting thing was that most of the people that I talked to who were there, they were really trying to decide between Trump and Ramaswamy. They really see him as just a younger, more energetic uh, version of Trump and, and somebody who could enact Trump's policies, um, which I don't really hear at Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis events. Um, most people at those events are looking for a Trump alternative, whereas these folks seem to be deciding between Trump and Ramaswamy. Um, and uh, and <laughs> actually, when I did ask a couple people what they thought of King's endorsement, they were they essentially said, who's Steve King? Um, but we were also in eastern Iowa and Bettendorf, so um, he, he didn't represent this part of the state. So, um, you know, can't speak for, uh, I wish Jared was here to provide some context maybe for the western part of the state. But um, I did think it was interesting that Ramaswamy announced that in Bettendorf, not in uh, Mr. King's old district. Yeah, yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. It, uh, Jared couldn't make it because of some work commitments, and it would have been great to uh, get his thoughts on this. Maybe we can spend a quick couple seconds on that on next week's podcast. Um, um, but I just, I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, as you, some of the things you kind of laid out there, Sarah, the, some of the politics, some of the policy positions make it make sense. Um, and you noted especially the the eminent domain um, stuff. Um, but it was just fascinating uh, to me and. Uh, like I said, now we'll see if the vacant numbers all of a sudden go up in, in the fourth district. <laughs> I think we all know um, whether that will happen. And I suppose to give benefit of the doubt, it's possible that this was just the earliest that they could announce it. And, you know, maybe he's not taking a trip to Western Iowa here soon, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, I, I, I know his um, calendar is out right now. I'm trying to remember if it has a Western Iowa trip or not. If a vac the one thing he has done is gone all over the state. So you would think it won't be too long uh, before he's um, in that area of the state. Let's see. Muscatine, Makoka, Dubuque. Now he's, he's heavy on the eastern half uh, for this trip for now anyway. So uh, we'll see the next time he's over there. All right. Uh, taking a broader look at things. Uh, we're, we're now well into the sprint to the finish for the January 15th Iowa caucuses. There's a big weekend on tap, all four of the top candidates in Iowa, um, Trump, DeSantis, Haley, and Ramaswamy. They're all holding events here. Um, we thought we should just kind of take a, have a quick state of the race discussion here as uh, what's my um, bookmarked caucus countdown website say, uh, as of we were recording, we are 11 days and three hours from the Iowa caucuses. Um, Tom, you've, seen both Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley lately um, within the last week or so, if, if I'm, if I remember right. Um, 
have you seen anything at either of those events that feels like a, a late cycle surge from either of those candidates is imminent? Um, I mean, nothing right now at this moment um, that I think is going to put them within striking distance of um, Donald Trump. Um, the big question right now heading into the January 15th caucuses is who's going to finish second and how strong of a second place finish is, is that going to be? You know, up until about a week ago, the momentum seemed to be behind Nikki Haley, but it looks like that has tapered off due to um, some missteps and recent gaffes that she's made both in uh, Iowa as well as New Hampshire. You know, there's the backlash that she's gotten over um, her failure to cite um, slavery as um, a reason behind the Civil War. She's since walked back those comments to say that, you know, obviously slavery, you know, was was a, a, um, a key to the Civil War, but also saying that it was also about um, states' rights and, and, and individual liberties um, and other issues, you know, um, last week over the weekend, she was in, she held a, um, a campaign tailgate event in Coralville prior to the Iowa women's basketball game, which she attended with her son and um, drew flack there for um, mistaking uh, or confusing um uh, Iowa basketball women's basketball star, uh, college women's basketball star, Clayton, uh, Caitlin Clark with CNN anchor Caitlin Collins, uh, which didn't sit well with a lot of Hawkeye fans. Um, and then yesterday in New Hampshire, she um, made a remark um, that's drawn the ire of Iowa conservative leaders, including Governor Reynolds and other DeSantis allies. Um, saying that, um, uh, so this again was a campaign event in New Hampshire and Haley quipped that um, we have an opportunity to get this right, telling New Hampshire voters that you know how to do this, you know, Iowa starts it, you know that you correct it. And it's that, um, I guess that, that comment about um, New Hampshire voters having the opportunity to correct the results of the Iowa caucuses that, um, has um, thrown some some Iowa uh, Republican leaders um, in a tizzy. Um, so that's certainly, I guess, not helping her. You know, she kind of faces some headwinds now because of that. Um, DeSantis, um, you know, it, it's, it's an open question um, as to um, how much his organizing efforts and focus and campaigning in Iowa, um, you know, will translate to support in the caucuses. Um, you know, we haven't seen, as we've mentioned before in previous podcasts, um, you know, endorsements and enthusiasm for him and his campaign by prominent um, conservative leaders in the state. We haven't seen that translate into support in the polls. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see whether that, you know, translate again in, in, into support for him with the caucuses. You know, one thing that he um, does have going for him is anecdotally, he has, um, I guess, recruited a lot of precinct captains uh, in Iowa to really 
um, help him out. Um, you know, his campaign does have a strong ground game in Iowa. Um, but at the same time, um, the Trump campaign has really built a more robust organizational effort in Iowa as well. And um, I don't know if that's going to be enough to um, to again to to eat into um, Trump's, you know, um, right now commanding lead in the polls and just, you know, his celebrity status and 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 um support and popularity among the Iowa GOP electorate. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it, Tom. It, 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 there doesn't seem to be any real drama about what's going to happen at the top of the caucus results. It, it's it's what happens for second place and, and what does that second place look like? And, and that's why I'm curious to, to hear your perspective on whether either of those two have managed to pull away from each other. And um, we'll have yeah. more to offer on that uh, next week, too, because we get a chance to see him this week and over the coming days. Go ahead. Just on that note, um, you know, I've noticed in the past couple of weeks, um, especially uh, especially Ron DeSantis's campaign, just kind of in their public uh, statements and 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 kind of messaging, trying to rather than trying to kind of really push hard on DeSantis doing well in the caucuses, uh, set Haley's expectations higher than than uh, you know in, in, increase Haley's expectations, saying you know Haley is, is saying she's going to get a strong second, or you know her supporters are are saying she's definitely going to get second, so that when she doesn't get second, they can kind of call that a win, right? And so um, that seems to be the strategy now is to keep your expectations as low as possible so that you can call it a success no matter what happens. And why do they say that again, Professor Goldford? <laughs> because you always want to do better than expected and you never, never want to do worse than expected. We're going to have to start paying him a fee for his office <laughs> when he's that line. And, and Haley's campaign has done something similar with DeSantis, noting um, how much he has invested in Iowa, moving staff to Iowa, um, you know, spending a lot of money um, it, with uh, on ads in, in Iowa and, um, you know, focusing on door knocking and, and, and outreach um, and, and, you know, talking about how he has predicted that he's going to win the Iowa caucuses. Um, and, and, you know, trying to, to, to draw, you know, that distinction of, you know, for, you know, all of the, the effort and the resources that he's put into Iowa in, in the Iowa caucuses, again, it doesn't seem like it's really moving the needle at all, at least when you, when you look at the polling, um, and has actually, um, kind of gone in the other direction since, um, he, he launched his campaign and, and first announced. Um, and there's maybe one last big chance here for uh, candidates to make an impression um, uh, on a big scale, on a big stage. Uh, we have a debate coming up next week in Iowa. Uh, CNN will be broadcasting from Drake University. Uh, it will just be Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis and that one in all likelihood. Uh, but that's not the only thing. January 10th is turning into a truly multimedia kind of day in Iowa. Caleb, tell us about that. Yeah, so this uh, debate was announced back in December. Um, and you know, since the beginning, we didn't expect Trump to attend. Um, we always kind of expected it was going to be a DeSantis-Haley debate, um, the first one with just those two uh, when, it, when it takes place. Um, and then this week, uh, two of the other kind of major candidates in this race announced competing media events. Um, and a pretty clear effort to steal the thunder and attention away from the Haley and DeSantis debate, um, as you know, they're all trying to kind of make their final pitches this next week. 
Um, so the big the big one is Donald Trump will be participating in a uh, televised town hall with Fox News um, that is at the exact same time as the CNN debate. And I am curious uh, what kind of the the background scheduling was, if that was a requirement from Trump's campaign. You know, it's probably also beneficial to Fox to to get people to watch Fox instead of CNN. So, you know, a lot of a lot of competing interests there. Um, uh, hey, Caleb, real quick, I just got to uh, interrupt and add to that. Um, so Fox News sent out a media release about that town hall, and they referred to the CNN undercard debate, which really, not, yeah, I didn't catch that. Yeah, yep, yep. It's a very intentional, that was, very intentional. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, I will be interested to see what the um, what the kind of viewership is for both of these events because the, the 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 Republican debates have just gone down and down and down each time in uh, viewership. Um, it you know, people are people are definitely losing interest. So curious to see where that ends up. Um, and then Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, who is polling fourth in Iowa, is who um, and did not make it on the uh, CNN debate stage. He didn't reach the polling qualification. Um, he'll be participating in a live audience town hall with Tim Pool, who's a conservative podcaster. Um, his podcast is about 1.6 million subscribers on YouTube. Um, Ramaswamy's campaign uh, in a statement uh, announcing that event called CNN a, quote, ratings wasteland and said it was biased against Ramaswamy. Um, it's obviously worth noting, you know, when we were talking about viewers and, and ratings that uh, Tim Pool is, is a is a notable in the, in the podcast space, but you know he's not, he doesn't have the nowhere near the reach of, of CNN and the cable channel. So I think if Ramaswamy qualified for that debate, he he would have happily um, accepted. But that, that's the the lineup. There are also other Fox News town halls earlier in the week with uh, with um, Haley and DeSantis. So there'll be a jam packed week of uh, Iowa caucus uh, uh, viewing opportunities. <laughs> All um, like I said. Uh, yeah. CNN and Fox News have replaced uh, Pizza Ranch in the Iowa caucuses. Um, you, you raise a good point there, Caleb, about those two being at the same time. And, you know, to the extent that we talk about could either of those be effective, um, I, I think the presumption would be that the only place where that could have an impact is in that race for second place anyways, right? And the people who are gonna, looking for someone other than Trump will probably watch that rather than Trump anyways. So, um but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see if there's any kind of um, debate bump out of that. Uh, literally, so close to the caucus in January 10, uh, mm-hmm. which is Tuesday, Wednesday. So you know, literally and five days before the caucuses. Ratings, you know, aren't going to tell you the all the impact because you would you'd rather have a thousand undecided Iowa voters watching than a million people in other states. So so you know, depends on who who turns right. in. Right, right, absolutely. All right. Um, Todd, as I like to point out here on the podcast, you've been through these cycles in the past. Uh, as you watch all this unfold, and we're so close now, are there any surprises lurking around the corner in these final few days? Well, first, I'd like to say that Tricky Nicky, which <laughs> is so much fun to say, at least didn't use the old uh, the old New Hampshire taunt that Iowa picks corn and <clears throat> New Hampshire picks presidents. That's yeah. Uh, that's sort of their I mean, it was essentially a variation of it. Yeah, it was. It, it was. <laughs> uh, you know, by now at this late hour, we usually have known that something was shifting. We've known that a candidate was catching fire, gaining a little momentum, that maybe the conservative or the conventional wisdom wasn't going to be exactly right. Uh, and, and we're not we're just not seeing any of that. I don't know that a debate or a town hall or any of those things can really move the needle at this point. Uh, 
I mean, I, I think Haley clearly is hoping that North that um, New Hampshire is her firewall, so she can be the uh, alternative going into the South Carolina contest. Although the polls show that Trump leads pretty handily in South Carolina, also. So it, it just you know we're going to go through the motions, but I think it's it's pretty it's pretty clear who's going to win. The only the only uh, you know the only caveat is will will someone do better than expected will DeSantis do you know will his investment pay off will the governor's endorsement help him you know I we haven't seen much of that yet uh he's got a good organization but he's just up against uh I mean the the Trump the, the you know the Trump train is just sort of a a juggernaut that's at this point sort of hard to, hard to stop I mean you know Trump is more popular now than he was on January 6, 2021, which who who to thunk it? But uh, yeah, his his uh, supporters are rallying to him, and I, I just I don't see a big change. The only thing is, you know, maybe there'll be a blizzard, and that and Vivek Ramaswamy will win because he has I don't know snowmobiles and and chains on the tires and can get his <laughs> can get his supporters there. I, the young people who will be the only ones who want to venture out into the snow on that night. Yeah, I don't know that take. I don't know that anyone's going to want to trudge trudge into the snow to support somebody that's going to get second, third or fourth. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the, the Trump folks may Trump may send helicopters, who knows. But uh yeah, it's it seems sort of it seems sort of done, but uh I will still watch. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> we'll still we'll we'll still cover it and yeah. and till it's till the last last dog is hung. I guess they say. Um, I I I I agree. We just and and that's why I asked that question uh, exactly the way I did of Tom too. Like, are we seeing anything yet? And 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 you know you have your different metrics that you use in in this kind of thing and it's it's what you see out at events and it's what you see at the polling and and neither of them are infallible in a vacuum but you kind of take them together and and uh, uh man it just, it just hasn't showed up that anything remarkable is going to happen it still might i mean i'm i'm not you know resigned to anything and not saying nothing out of the ordinary is going to happen it still could i'm just saying we haven't seen evidence of it yet and you do see evidence of it we Todd, you and I, well, a bunch of us know, but Todd, you especially know that you have seen evidence when that has happened in the past. You, you can see that momentum building as we get closer to the caucuses, and, and you, you can feel it in in those um, gyms and, and, and everywhere else, and, and you can see yeah. when that is happening, and, and we just haven't seen that this time. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's it's almost like one of those football seasons with like the Patriots or something. It's like, why did we why did we bother? What what could we have spent all the money on that would have been more helpful or better? I mean, they could have bought every man, woman, and child in Iowa Casey's breakfast pizza or something. I, it might have it might have been more more worthwhile uh, or or, that's, that's or the, the famous taco pizza. Who knows? But <laughs> yeah, it just seems like. Uh, this was kind of a foregone conclusion, and here we are at the conclusion, and it yeah, was foregone. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Um. I the one thing I will say it would be interesting to see. I was just looking at the 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 polling 
And uh, the, the one thing to, to say right now about the polling in this exact moment is it, it went dark over the holiday week. So we, we haven't seen um, polling in the field since before Christmas. So it'll, it will be interesting to see when the first few ones start to come out now, presumably um, uh, over the next coming days, if we if we start to see anything there. But the, but again, as of now, uh, it looks like everything that's uh, been leading to this has been telling the truth. Uh, but we will see. All right. Uh, we also need to talk today about uh, this week about the Iowa legislature. Even before the caucuses uh, come, uh, the first day of the 2024 session of the Iowa legislature will be here. So let's take a little time to look ahead to what might come over the next four months at the Iowa Capitol. The, the 2024 session starts on, on Monday, the 8th there. Um, and at this point, I should also remind you that the Gazette Lee Legislative Preview Series has been running daily since this past Sunday and will continue through the opening day of the session on Monday. So please be sure to check out those stories. They contain everything you need to know about the coming session, cover so many topics, uh, great job reporting by our whole team here. Definitely worth your time. Find, find those uh, stories. Uh, but for the podcast here, let's just go around the horn. And I'm just curious to hear from everyone here, um, not necessarily predictions, but what are you most interested in? Uh, what will you be watching most closely during the 2024 session? And, and Sarah, we'll start with you again. Yeah, um, I think I'll be watching, at least for our local market, I think recount loss will be really interesting to watch. Um, if uh, it sounds from your reporting, Aaron, that um, uh, the Secretary of State is really urging um, legislators to uh, hurry and do something quick uh, on that before the general election in 2024, um, just because in Scott County and well, in the obviously in the congressional district, Marionette Miller Meeks won by six votes um, after a really long recount process. And then in 2022, we had some recount confusion in um, a house district. And then this year there was um, more recount confusion in a uh, Pleasant Valley school board race that actually led to the supervisors um, rejecting the recount, even though two of the three recount board members had approved the, the board, which um, now the candidate who lost is suing the supervisors because the law states that they shall accept the report if so. Anyway, so there's that'll be, I think, really interesting to um, people in Scott County on how the legislature um, uh, rewrites those recount laws. It, it didn't look like, um, well, I think, especially with like more populous counties being able to add more people to recount boards, that would impact Scott County. So um, that's something I'll be watching. Yeah, and you pointed out Secretary Pate was definitely um, pressing the urgency button there, um, at the very least to get it done this session. But uh, if possible to get it done soon this session because uh, election workers would like to have all that stuff in place um, uh, as they're preparing for uh, the, the 2024 election season already, the, the primaries in June. Um, and it'll be interesting too, because they had a bill last year that they ultimately didn't do. And that, um, as, as rare as this happens, the Iowa legislature was a bipartisan elections bill, as far as support goes for it. Um, Republicans wrote the bill, but there was bipartisan support for it. Um, uh, that's a definite change from election bills passed up there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if that uh, continues. All right, Caleb, uh, how about you? What are you uh, most interested in this yeah, coming I'll session? Borrow, I'll borrow from one of my legislative preview stories. So go find that online if you uh, if you want to hear more. But um, uh, interested to see if Republicans will be 
um, passing a Religious Freedom Restoration Act um, this year, a version of the federal law that um, requires strict scrutiny for um, judicial reviews of instances where somebody claims that their religious rights have been uh, hampered. Um, the Re Republicans have tried this um, a few times in the past. Uh, it has never gotten off the ground because, um, largely because uh, big business groups and large businesses in the state um, worry that it's going to um, hurt their recruitment their recruitment efforts. It is um, a law that, in a lot of other states, you know, has been heavily opposed by um, LGBTQ rights groups and groups like the ACLU because uh, they argue that it gives um, individuals and businesses free license to discriminate against um, uh, people based on their sexual orientation, based on their gender, based on, you know, sometimes their race. Um, so that will be, you know, interested to see whether that comes up, um, whether there's a new push to to pass that, and what the kind of reaction from the business community is, because, um, you know, it's, it has, I, I think Indiana under Mike Pence was a, there was a, a lot, it was a big national news when that was happening. Um, but as it's been passed in more and more states, I think maybe the reaction has um, has quieted a little bit from business groups and, you know, whether they're going to have that same reaction this year or not. Um, and also, you know, what the reaction is going to be from um, LGBTQ rights groups and LGBTQ Iowans, because they are still definitely very concerned about that and whether um, it's going to make it harder for, um, you know, people to find housing, employment um, or things like that when uh, their argument being that it's going to give, um, you know, people more more leeway to uh, shut out or discriminate against people based on their uh, sexual orientation. All right. Very good. Uh, Tom, how about you? Yeah. Um, so a couple of things that I'll be paying attention to um, will be um, what Republicans do um, in terms of um, further income tax cuts or accelerating the income tax cuts that um, they've already passed. And, how that's going to impact uh, funding for um, other key priorities um, in, in addressing issues that um, Iowa businesses and employers um, say, you know, still remain challenges for them um, as they try to um, address workforce issues. So um, childcare, affordable housing, um, uh, apprenticeships and workplace learning, um, you know, Governor Reynolds, um, you know, has um, allocated a lot of federal dollars um, to help with childcare efforts, um, you know, and, and has supplemented that with state funding in, in recent years, but we continue to hear from businesses that, um, you know, there still remain um, issues in being able to um, access affordable childcare. Um, particularly, you know, we're hearing from um, childcare providers and people within that industry um, about the workforce shortages that they're seeing. That while uh, money has been invested to create additional childcare slots in the state. Um, there still remains issues in being able to staff these centers because um, wages are, are too low. They're not competitive with um, uh, other 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 industries, um, other other sectors in Iowa. Um, so that's that's something I'll be taking a look at. Um, a couple of of other things I think that will be um, interesting, kind of some hot button issues that didn't advance last year, but um, are 
discussions and issues that are likely to resurface again this session um, are um, guns and vehicles on, on school grounds. Um, that discussion, I think, will be particularly interesting, especially in light of, you know, the, the, the horrific, tragic event that just happens this morning at Perry High School. But um, uh, last session, um, Senate Republicans did not take up a bill um, that was um, passed by House Republicans that would further loosen Iowa's gun laws, including allowing gun owners to have a firearm in a locked vehicle on school and college grounds. That um, legislation uh, also would prohibit insurance companies from refusing to insure Iowa schools that choose to have armed staff on school grounds. Um, Democrats and gun safety advocates said that the bill would perpetuate ongoing gun violence in the state, put children at risk um, by, by loosening already lax gun laws and allowing firearms to be even more accessible in locations that are targets for mass shootings. Um, advocates said the measure enhances the ability of lawful gun owners to protect and defend themselves and their families and that they shouldn't be forced to leave what they termed a defensive firearm um, at home for the entirety of the day because they have to drop off or pick up a student at school. Um, again, that discussion will be interesting um, in, in light of um, uh, tragic events that uh, just recently happened in Iowa. Um, social media restriction for teens is another one state lawmakers last session um, advanced but failed to approve limits on social media platforms um, for teens. Um, supporters say that they're concerned about social media's effects on um, children's mental health. Um, Democrats say that they oppose a statewide ban on social media um, for, for children under the age of 18, saying that it should be something that parents should be entrusted to monitor and control and say that, you know, they have some reservations and concerns um, about, um, excuse me, uh, First Amendment implications for doing that. Traffic cameras, it's a perennial issue, you know, that, that comes up, is always debated and discussed, and, you know, they always advance some, some form of, of legislation, but can never really give it, get it um, past the finish line. Um, that's going to come up again. Um, this session, although it's not quite clear, um, you know, what what that legislation will look like or kind of, um, you know, what those restrictions will, will will entail or kind of what form that'll take. Um, so those are those are a, a couple that I think are going to be um, interesting. Um, oh, and, and then just lastly, um, a couple of education issues that are going to be um, uh, interesting to watch. Um, you know, we're expecting that Governor Reynolds in her condition of the state address um, is going to talk about um, raising pay for teachers. Um, so especially um, in the wake of um, last year's law um, allowing education savings accounts, um, it'll be interesting, I guess, to listen to that discussion as to um, what Republican lawmakers will do to, um, again, support public education, potentially raise teacher pay. Um, and then it'll be interesting to see what happens or comes about uh, regarding a um, comprehensive audit and review of area education agencies um, that provide um, supports to special needs students in Iowa. 
Um, you know, we've heard assurances from um, the governor and from some Republican lawmakers that they're not going to um, close or shut down AEAs um, or, or defund them. Um, but it's left open this question as to what will be done with with those agencies if if they're going to consolidate um, if they get um, lumped in or um, come under the umbrella of the Iowa Department of Education and again what the implications are for those agencies for their funding and for um, the the services and supports that they provide to um, both public and private um, school districts in Iowa and, and students who, again, who have special needs. All right, Todd, from the uh, distant safety of Cedar Rapids, uh, what, what are you going to be <laughs> watching? No, no, up at the Iowa Capitol. Nowhere is safe from the legislature. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see, you know, they're talking about this early speaker Grassley in, in, in the articles you guys have written this week. I guess that was Vanessa Miller that wrote it today uh, about taking a broad review of higher education. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we've seen in Florida that Governor DeSantis has, has has gone after academia pretty hard, trying to chase out the liberals and put his people in charge of the, of the universities. Uh, you know, Kim Reynolds has her folks uh, are packed on the board of regents, people that are not only her political allies, but have, have given her money, paid for, paid for plane rides. I mean, it's so I think they're they're down with whatever she wants to do. And I, I can see this becoming, uh, you know, an effort to sort of target the universities, kind of like they targeted public K through 12 schools last year. Uh, you know, and I think, you know, this this debate that we've seen nationwide over, you know, the, the clashes between uh, students who are supporting Palestinians versus uh, Jewish students and and all of the all of the heat and fire that that's generated will be one pretext they can use to sort of say what what kind of places are these these ivory towers of academia they're they're full of out of touch you know guys in tweed jackets we gotta we gotta do something about that we need to turn them into places that will you know will you know train people for the workforce and you know you don't need to be messing around with all that philosophy and history and all those, you know, majors that won't bring a, bring a payback. It'll make it hard for you to pay your student loans off. So I think, I, I think that's going to be an interesting, it's a dynamic in an election year. I think a lot of Republicans are sort of wary or even outraged at, 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 you know, universities and, and the fact that they, I mean, they contend that conservatives don't have free speech rights on campus, things like that. So I, I think this may be the the uh, the beginning of an effort to sort of sort of rein rein in the universities and and bring them under more control of uh, conser a conservative board of regents and and politicians that support it. Yeah, that that's a good one. That'll that'll be interesting to me too. Um, and, and what exactly you you mentioned, what Speaker Grassley talked about. It'll be interesting to see exactly what that proposal looks like. Um, I'm going to keep mine simple. I will be watching most intently to see whether Senate Republicans move journalists back to their rightful spot on the Senate floor and whether the governor resumes having regular news conferences. That's what I'm most interested to watch, even though I 
pretty sure I know the answer to both. <laughs> All right. <sighs> <laughs> With Todd's painful sigh, that's it for, it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. Um, uh, we hope it, you thought it was a good one, a lot to go over, and next week's is going to be huge too. Uh, my gosh, this coming week, the the opening week of this of the Iowa legislature and the final days before the Iowa caucus. So stick with us and, and come back next week too. And if, if we're all um, not uh, zombified, we'll, we'll have another good uh, podcast for you. Um, if you're not already, please subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast and you can catch us each week also on your preferred Gazette or Lee newspaper website. Now that you've listened to the on Iowa politics podcast, make sure you're also subscribed to the on Iowa politics newsletter where every morning in your inbox, you'll receive all the latest politics and government coverage from our team. You can subscribe to that free newsletter at the Gazette's website, thegazette.com. And lastly, don't forget that the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Muscatine Journal, Cedar Rapids Gazette, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Mason City Globe Gazette, Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and the Sioux City Journal. Milk and Eggs will play us out this week. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the podcast, please send us a sound file. For Tom Barton, Caleb McCullough, Sarah Watson, Todd Dorman, and our producer Stephen Colbert, I'm Aaron Murphy. Thank you for listening. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.